Videos yeah. are a way for other people to experience the thing that you're talking about. It's not yeah. just telling your story, but then showing your story or what I happen to call dramatic demonstration of proof. Mm-hmm. How do we get how do we get others to not just it's kind of like being a, a lawyer in a courtroom. Right. If you're yeah. a prosecutor, you have to prove that this suspect is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't want our clients to think we're guilty, but we do want them to believe that we are who we say we are or believe that we can create the transformation that we're saying we can create. How do we get them to believe that without a reasonable doubt? They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menswar. Put a needle on the record. Sounded like a little skip there for a second, didn't it? That was weird. Welcome, everybody. It's uh, Thoughts That Rock, your favorite podcast where we talk about three thoughts that rock around a particular subject. uh, uh, This this one today is amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. And uh, before I do that, I looked real quick at, at... some of the analytics just to see how many countries we were in this morning. We're yeah. in 87 officially because we had a download, a singular download in the right. uh, Islamic Republic of Iran. Well, so I don't know how to tell you guys this. We're huge in, in <laughs> Iran. Are we? I, Iran, Iran. I never know how to say that country. Is I it, think I saw somebody correcting somebody that it's Iran. Iran. Okay. But here's my question. What episode do you think they downloaded? I don't know. It's pretty dangerous to be listening to us in that country, I would guess. I would guess, and I feel like we should just uh, direct, you know, like like say hi to them directly. Say, hey, hi, Bob in Iran. Be careful out there, buddy. (laughs) Be careful, man. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what pull that blanket over your head when you when you watch this show. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Our topic was uh, how to storytell to scale a business or how to scale a business through storytelling. I mean, we've been wanting to talk about this because video is such a a big part of uh, how people are, are, you know, whatever it is, trying to represent their life. Or in this case, how do you grow your business? We couldn't have found uh, a better person. I had an opportunity to meet this guy, Jude Charles. Um, who's basically a creative. He produces documentaries for entrepreneurs, um, you know, some of them big like Google and Steve Harvey, but he's also worked with dozens yeah. of other visionary CEOs. Um, and just to create video like that, it's kind of a cool deal. We actually know our good friend Brett Culp, who does something like that as well. But this is specifically what Jude focuses on. Um, he's also the author of Dramatic Demonstrations, which yeah. – we talked about it in our episode about sure. just being a roadmap to help you dig deep and, and really discover compelling stories. Man, we we had a lot of fun, and there were a lot of similarities to the work that guessed. you do. I mean, crazy. crazy. There's some crazy synergy. You know, one of the things that I think you guys are going to love is he sort of gives like five different ways to to do dramatic demonstrations right mm-hmm. so he gives you what they what those are how you can use them like today in, in this world of tiktok and video that we live in how do you use these five different things to to sort of put your short form video at the forefront and tell your story in service of 
growing your business, your brand, whatever yeah. that is. It's such valuable information. This one actually goes a little long because it was amazing. Yeah. Like the stuff he was giving is right what's happening right now of how to maximize your impact when you use video to build your business and, and your brand. And so we just had an incredible yeah. conversation and a lot of aha moments. It was, it was a lot of fun and some laughs along the way. So yeah, you guys can't wait for you to see it. Check this out. We're here. Oh, I thought it was counting down. It did. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even see a countdown. <laughs> there he is. I'm like, we're all three staring at each other. Hey, Jude, what's up, my friend? Good to see you. <laughs> Jim, Brent, thank you for having me, man. Uh, it's always a fun time. Uh, I love, love, love being on podcasts, and thank you for, for inviting me to be on yours. Well, appreciate it, man. I know that uh, we, we had a great discussion a few months back, and I was telling Brand about some of that interesting stuff. Obviously, from the intro and the bio, we'll go deep into that, and hopefully people will go into the show notes and check it out. But maybe before we jump right onto our topic, you know, tell people what it is you do. It's so interesting, and I don't think there's going to be a lot of people that play in the space that you're in. Right. So... In 2006, I sat in a TV production classroom um, where my teacher, Mrs. Donnelly, uh, taught me everything that she knew about video production. And then towards the end of that school year, May 4th, 2006, she said, Jude, you're really, really talented at video production. You should start a business. Well, I'm the youngest of 10 children. My father was a construction worker. My mom worked at a chair factory. My siblings, no one in my family were entrepreneurs, so I didn't even know what it meant to be an entrepreneur to start a business. The following day, May 5th, 2006, Mrs. Donnelly came into the classroom, handed me a yellow envelope, and inside of the yellow envelope was my first set of business cards, which I still have the very first one to this day. So cool. Uh, Look at it. Look at it. That's awesome. (laughs) So what I do today, 16 years later, I produce documentaries for entrepreneurs. What that means is that I help them bring their story or stories to life so that they can scale their business, connect with their clients in a deeper way, um, and what I like to call creating trust at scale. They're looking to attract yeah. more people, attract the right tribe, and that's what I do today. Every single, every single day I get to wake up and help entrepreneurs bring their stories to life. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And I, I knew when we were looking at this topic, you know, obviously there's probably going to wind up being a series of podcasts uh, around this topic about scaling business. You're specifically – the topic that we picked was how to scale a business through storytelling or how to storytell to scale a business, however you want to look at it. And I thought, I remember my friend Jude, this is what he does, is right up his alley and has written some, you know, a book about it. And so we're, that's really what we're going to focus on today. And we're just going to leave the floor open to you and, and sort of glean whatever wisdom on three thoughts at Rock on how to scale a business through storytelling. So, man, drop the first one on us. What, what is your first thought that rocks? Yeah, so the first thought is, Write out your core values. Hmm. So when someone is thinking about, why should I work with Jim and Brent? Or why should I work with you? What they're really asking is why you? And part of what answers that why you are your core values. So I believe that you should have five core values. Mine are uh, depth versus width, um, storytelling, which is obvious, adventure, uh, relentless, and then freedom. Now, with those core values, those are just words, right? What I tell my clients to do is to create stories around those core values. So most people like to say integrity is a core value. Well, tell me about a moment in time. That's what a story is, is a very specific moment in time. Tell me about a moment in time 
you had to lose out on $20,000 by doing the right thing. Because that's what it means to have integrity, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's the first thought is write out your core values, but then add stories to the core values. Now, sometimes people will get caught up with not knowing what their core values are or not knowing how to find the right story. The second way you can find the right story is not just to tell me a moment in time, but tell me what's the anti-core value. So like if uh, if it's freedom, tell me about a moment that you felt like you were shackled and you weren't free. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, again, you want to write out those core values. Now, what that does, this is probably the most important part to writing out these core values. You want to write, this, write out the stories. But what that does is it helps you to create what I like to call a story bank. Mm-hmm. In the same way that you go to deposit money in a regular bank. Right. You can only pull out what you've actually deposited. Right. We've heard over and over. Tell stories. Tell stories. Stories is is the key. Right. Well, the only way that you can tell stories is if you've deposited the stories, you've taken the time to work on the stories. So I think the easiest way to do that is to start by writing out your core values. Well, I'm just going to lay out here and let Brant talk. <laughs> this is so funny. I did not, I swear I did not plan this at all. This is the work that Brant does probably Dude, I, more than anything else. I so. wrote the book on core values. <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> or, I did that or, right or, yeah. <laughs> so the book Black Sheep right behind us here. Um, yes. is about discovering your flock of five black sheep values. <laughs> wow. So yeah. we're very aligned. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So <laughs> I'll just be in the corner when you guys are done. <laughs> so, just so the audience knows, just so the audience knows, this definitely was not planned. So Jim no, and I know I, each other. I'm yes. like, Jim I'm and just, I know each other, but... Yeah, I'm this smiling. is the first time they're meeting. I'm smiling ear first to ear First time here, we're meeting, yeah. Right? I'm just yeah. like, you're speaking my language. Um so, you know, the concept of, of the book that I wrote is that I, I believe we all have a, a flock of five black sheep values. I called them black sheep values because I was like 47 years old before somebody finally explained to me why farmers don't value black sheep like the rest of the flock. And uh, the real reason is because a black sheep's wool cannot be dyed. So every black sheep is 100% authentically original and it can't be made into something that it wasn't supposed to be. And so yeah, yeah. this concept is, can you identify your black sheep values? What are those values that no matter how much someone wants to try to twist or change you, they will not be moved. And when you identify them, you have to prove that they're real and that they're yours and not somebody else's. Cause we like to take care of other people's sheep. Um, that, that is something that people collect sheep, uh, a lot of, of other owners. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. it's because you grew up in a, uh, you know, a household with 10 children and you were responsible <laughs> for other things and you had to figure this out on your own. Um, and so, you know, when you do it, then you have to speak those values into existence. You have to speak them with deliberate intention. Uh, you have to plan when and where you want to see these values appear in your life so that you are bringing your authentic self, right? The interesting yeah. part, the end of the story for, for the book and, and why I want people to do this is because even though farmers don't value black sheep the same way they value the rest of their flock, that doesn't mean that they don't have value and that the farmers don't use that value. See, farmers mm-hmm. keep one black sheep for every hundred white sheep in their care and they keep them as a marker. And so if they have 500 sheep in their flock, they get up every morning they look out over their pasture. They don't look for 500 sheep. They look for five black sheep. If they see wow. five black sheep, they know things are okay. If they don't see five black sheep, they know something is wrong. And so the ability for the black sheep to stand out from the crowd is what gets the farmer's first look. So what I try to get people to understand 
And this is, listen, this is a connect. You and I, we're going to tell this story, brother. We're going to tell this yes. story. Um, yeah. The idea for me is if you lead with these black sheep values, you get the farmer's first look. You get everybody's first look. You get your client's first look. You get your partner's first look. You get your family's first look. But unless you're leading with what makes you you, you're just going to blend in with the other 500 sheep that look exactly the same. Right. And so that is literally the concept of the book. So I, I love the fact that, that your step number one is to define these things that are your core values. Yes. But then, you know, part of the proving factor of what, what I do in my, in my practice and coaching is they have to have these stories in their history for me to believe that what you're telling me is real. Don't give me a story because you saw this cool movie and you felt like it was good. And so, you know, I love Shawshank Redemption, but that's not my, you know, that wasn't my story. Um, and so the idea of going back over the course of your lives, what, what Maslow calls peak experiences, right? And so if you really wanted to prove um, that these are, that, you know, let's go the therapy route, you're going to dive deep into your past over the course of stories that have happened to you that you've experienced both positive and negative because core values can come from both, right? And I love the fact that that's how you approach it. Sometimes it's telling the positive story. Sometimes it's relaying the negative part that made you say that I will never have that happen to me again, or I will never allow that to be part of who I am moving forward. Um, I'm a huge fan. We can end this right now. <laughs> that's it. Done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, it's, it is the most critical piece though. Like, so True. I happen to work with, I happen to work with clients, as I mentioned, creating documentaries for them. Right. Part of what I do is I'm a fly on the wall and I am looking at, okay, what is it that makes this person real? I'm searching for the truth. Mm -hmm. So if you've told me your core values, integrity, or you told me like one client has told me empowerment, he believes mm -hmm. in empowering the people that he works with. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Does that mm -hmm. show up when I'm filming with mm -hmm. you, right? Mm -hmm. And so, again, it, you mentioned proof, which I love because we're definitely in sync in the sense that what I'm looking to do is what I see I bring to the audience. It's not something I've made up or my client has made up. It's what is actually true, right? Yeah. What love gets it. the first look? What gets people paying attention? I love the way that you put that. We're mm -hmm. definitely in line. I don't know if we'll even talk about the rest today because, <laughs> honestly, that's, again, that's the most critical piece when you and, and it's a piece that i think clients will often like glaze over they think mm -hmm. they don't need to do this because um, it's yeah. easy to build a business without this line. like i'll be clear like not everyone has this in the very beginning mm -hmm. you know even big companies like apple or anybody else didn't have this in the very beginning it came yeah. over time but what happened is they transformed their business when they stopped. They slowed down to actually write out these core values so yeah we could mm -hmm. definitely just do a whole podcast just on that mm -hmm. So l let me ask you, if, if somebody was listening today, our, our audience is pretty varied, but in your world, you're making documentaries for entrepreneurs or maybe a business owner. If there's a CEO, if there's a, you know, an executive who's listening and they're thinking, okay, I entered into the, the podcast today on how to scale my business through storytelling connect those dots for maybe somebody if you go okay i'm gonna i'm gonna write down my core values i'm gonna add some stories in there to bring them to life how does that help me scale the business and i don't know if that leads already into the the second thought but just there i'm, I'm trying to get in my head what would somebody listening going okay i get it let me write down and identify my core values how is that going to help me scale my business 
the way it helps you to scale your business is to bring it to life, right? So Brant actually mentioned how uh, it's not just, okay, these are your core values and then these are the stories, but what, how do we prove that tangibly? How does someone mm. else see? How do we influence what someone else sees when they do decide to give you the first look? So uh, I happen, again, to create documentaries or documentary series. Um, I, there's a client that I've worked with. He, his name is Stefan, Stefan Georgi, and he's a copywriter but serial entrepreneur as well. And in the very first minute of his documentary series is him playing the guitar, sitting on a couch playing a guitar. We happen to be filming this through the pandemic, so he talks about that, how like, he's, you know, he's trying to make the best of this moment that he has mm-hmm. where he's, everybody's on lockdown. Mm-hmm. And then as he's playing this guitar, his daughter <laughs> comes from the edge of the screen and she's screaming, crying because she hates the music that he's playing. <laughs> what, <laughs> what you begin to see unfold after that is how he responds to his daughter. And so I talked about a client who his core value was empowerment. His daughter at the time was probably two or three years old when we were recording this. And uh, he began, he didn't just continue playing he stopped playing because she didn't like it but then you see all these other moments where he's empowering his daughter like she looks at a spider on the wall instead of him pulling her away from the spider he's like oh yeah look you can stand there look at it just don't touch it right so he's empowering her to to explore to discover right my point is i started by saying that he's a copywriter and serial entrepreneur what i just showed you or what i just talked about but when you watch the documentary what i showed you is who he is as a dad we brought yeah. his core value to life through videos. Videos yeah. are a way for other people to experience the thing that you're talking about. It's not yeah. just telling your story, but then showing your story, or what I happen to call dramatic demonstration of proof. Mm-hmm. How do we get? How do we get others to not just? It's kind of like being a, a lawyer in a courtroom, right? If you're yeah. a prosecutor, you have to prove that this suspect is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt mm-hmm. now we don't want our clients to think we're guilty but we do want them to believe that we are who we say we are or believe that we can create the transformation that we're saying we can create how do we get them to believe that without a reasonable doubt mm-hmm. it is to show is to first write down your core values write down the stories but then bring them to life and that is where you begin to scale your business because now you have an asset Mm-hmm. You have an asset, whether it's video, whether it's podcasting, you have an asset that you can use over and over and over again. So that's the beginning. So again, we write out the core values, then you bring it to life with video. This is where you begin to add fuel to this engine that you're creating, which the engine is storytelling. And that's that's the second thought, bring your values to life. And you use the, the, the terminology, which is the name of your book, dramatic demonstrations, right? Is that what you talk about in the book, or is that even a, a bigger extension of that? That's what I talk about in the book. So I go through a, a road mapping process. How do we build this out? But there are five dramatic demonstrations. There is behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So again, that's just pulling the, pulling the curtain back on your life. Just like I talked about with Stephen George, I, we pulled the curtain back on what life was like during the pandemic for him, spending time with his family, spending time with his daughter. The second one is live illustration. Live illustration is, usually, is just using an object. Like if you're watching the video of this podcast, I didn't just tell you Mrs. Donnelly gave me business cards. I actually held up the very first business card that Mrs. Donnelly gave me. Yes. Yeah. 
So that's a live illustration. How do we not just uh, tell the story, but bring it to life tangibly? Another thing that I do when I'm speaking at a workshop or something, I have this idea of, so I went through burnout in 2020, but I have this idea of subtracting the noise. That's what helped me recover, is subtracting the noise. Mm-hmm. That's just an idea. That's just a theory. Yeah. Uh, I tell my story of the day that I woke up burnt out. But what I also do is I bring a Jenga set to play with while I'm giving my, giving my talk and doing the workshop. Mm-hmm. What I begin to do is pull pieces from the Jenga set because that's what you do in Jenga, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But instead of putting it back on top like you do in the game, I just take it out altogether. A Jenga set has 54 pieces. I will take out between 14 to 20 pieces, depending on how long I have. And then written on the Jenga piece may be stop spending time on social media or listening to too many podcasts or whatever it is. The point is when you subtract that noise and there's 54 pieces, but you subtract 14, you realize the structure still holds. You don't need all 54 pieces. Nice. Right? That's but that's a live illustration. That's a live yeah. So behind the scenes, live illustration, social yep. proof yep. is something we're, we're used to, right? Testimonials. But in video form, I'm, I'm looking at how does the person physically respond to you? Do they put their hand on their chest? Are they laughing when they talk to you? Are they crying? Um, all the emotional, physical reactions that people have to you. Um, so that's social proof. Uh, unique mechanism is what unique characteristics do you have that makes you you, right? So it might be a quirk that you have. It might, for me, I like to call myself a detective. I want to go really, really deep with my clients and not just think about the surface level things, but think about the very first day you were born or your first memories of when yeah. you were a child yeah. and how that's led you to where you are today. Um, so that's unique mechanism. And then the final one is transformation. So with transformation in the fitness world, we're used to befores and afters. Mm -hmm. I like to think about what does life look like after? A really quick example of that is a fitness coach who works with women over 40. She received this text message from her client. And in the text message is a picture and then the text. And the picture is uh, of an empty airplane. The text message says, this is the first time in my life. Remember, she's over 40. This is the first time in my life. I've gotten on an airplane, and I haven't had to ask for a seatbelt extension. Mm, That's amazing. Mm. Yeah. That's transformation. That is what life looks like after. But again, it's visual. We're bringing it to life. This fitness coach goes beyond just saying, I can get you to um, wear your jeans that you wore back in high school or whatever it is. I can save you the anxiety, the embarrassment, whatever you may be feeling, the emotion from having to ask for a seatbelt extension. So. Those are the five dramatic demonstrations um, that I did write about in my book. But that's the way that's again, that's the other way that you can begin to think about what are my core values? And then how do I bring this to life in video form? Mm -hmm. You may not be ready for a big documentary, but you have the opportunities to share that on social media. Yeah. The opportunities to share that when you're doing a podcast. Um, Those are those are how I think about bringing to life your core values. I love it. I think with the, you know, sort of the rise of short form video and TikTokifying of of our you know mental capacity to to process uh, fifteen to thirty seconds worth of video um, and and get out what we want from that or the structure of those videos. I to me this is like literally a game plan for mm-hmm. an entrepreneur who wants to 
how do you how do you fill your your TikTok feed um, with things that are going to be valuable to both your business, your brand, your clients, all those sorts of things? Like this is literally giving them the game plan for how to do that. You know, I love the conversation of of you know. I've spoken a couple times for um, PPA, which is the Professional Photographers of America. And one of the things that I said to them that they were not very happy to hear was that if they haven't discovered their core values and I can't see that in their work, then they've never taken an original photograph their entire life. <laughs> they've only given me a, re a reflection of what matters to someone else. It's pretty gutsy to say right? in front of that group. But it's the, I believe it's the truth. I believe it's the truth. When, when you don't have your shit figured out, the best you can give me is a reflection of somebody else's values. And, and that's okay, but don't pretend that they're yours and don't pretend that that's your story because it's not your story. It's their story that you are re, you know, recounting. And I think that that's the big difference here is that this is not a story. It's your story. And that's, the, that's what's going to separate, right? This idea of proof um, what I tell my clients all the time is you, you only need belief in the absence of proof. And it is much harder to get someone to believe something than it is to get them to acknowledge proof. And so if you can just acknowledge proof, you're not asking them to believe because belief requires a whole other set of mental capacity. Um, and, and most of the time belief is in something that hasn't happened that you, you, you haven't experienced it. You haven't done it. So that's why you have to believe you can't just go back in your life and go, well, I've done this before I've successfully done this, or I've done this and failed, but at least I know what to expect going in and, and acknowledge that proof that you're not walking in blind. And so I, I just, I love this whole idea of, of dramatic demonstrations, it, it, this idea of bringing them to life is, is showing the proof in a way that is truly how we prefer to communicate these days <laughs> through, through video. Um, and it's easier to digest. I think when, when we are watching that now that I think the key is, and I, and I think what I hear from you is probably the most difficult part of your job is making sure it's their story and not somebody else's, right? I mean, yeah. that's the, yeah. they see some, they see something cool on TikTok and they just want to cop that, you know, it's the, it's uh, it's Picasso, right? It's good artists borrow and great artists steal. And so it's, <laughs> it's the idea of, can you find those stories, those quirks, those, those little black sheet bits that are truly theirs and, yep. and allow them to bring them with the authenticity and the truth that, that exists in that moment, right? Yeah, um, Jim yeah. and I talk about this all the time as, as keynotes, right? There are presenters and there are speakers. Presenters present information and they can be really good and they can be really yeah. engaging at presenting information, but speakers leave enough room to capture the truth in the room. And mm -hmm. that is that is a scary proposition for some, right? Because you're yeah. not in control. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't, if you go down to the crowd and you ask a question and you're not prepared for what might come out of that person's mouth, um, it can be egg on the face. It can be embarrassing. <laughs> it can be, you know, risky. Um, but yeah. for those that leave enough space to capture the truth in the room, people remember that moment because it's lightning in a bottle. Mm -hmm. It's, it's something that doesn't exist unless you allow it to happen. And I, and that is, um, unfortunately something that doesn't happen all that much because it's a scary position to put yourself in when you're not prepared. The reason yeah, that we 
do that core values work is so that you feel confident enough to put yourself in those positions because you know what your non-negotiables are. Yeah, absolutely. It's scary. It's a scary position. And one that I have also had to put myself through as well. What I find, though, is that when you're vulnerable, when you're willing to be open about who you are, mm-hmm. scars and all, um, it's the easiest way to connect with your audience, whether you're on stage, whether it is through TikTok or Instagram. It's the easiest way to connect. In 2014, I went to Spokane, Washington. And Spokane, Washington, so we're, we're Florida boys. We, we, you guys live uh, are in yeah. the central Florida area. I'm in south Florida. Spokane, Washington is the furthest northwest <laughs> point of America, right? Yes, that's right. So, or Washington State is. We're in this yeah. furthest southeast point. I had this crazy idea back in 2014. That I went to a leadership conference, but coming back from it, it was a three-day conference, coming back from it, I was like, you know what? I'm in the furthest northwest state. I'm going to the furthest southeast state, you know, from point to point. What would happen if I take a Greyhound bus to go cross country to go back home? Hmm. Yeah, it was the dumbest idea I've ever had. <laughs> I actually did it. And uh, I was How miserable was that my day too. <laughs> <laughs> I was miserable because it's, it's, let's just say there's a lot of weird people that get on the Greyhound. Yeah, there's some storytelling yeah. opportunities. There is. <laughs> So I got to uh, Chicago, Illinois. This is day two. I get to Chicago, Illinois. I had turned off my phone for the first half of this trip because, again, I, I wanted to take it in. I'm coming from this leadership conference. Leadership is very important to me. I have always known I was born to be a leader. Um, and when I turn back on my phone, I get this text message from my sister. And in the text, it says, call me back. It's urgent. So I've already mentioned this is 2014. This is July 2014. In March of, July, of 2014, my father was diagnosed with prostate cancer. My mom, in 2014 as well, was suffering from depression. She had attempted suicide. So when I got this text message from my sister, I knew he was either mom or dad. Yeah. I braced myself. I called my sister. Unfortunately, it ended up being dad. They found him unresponsive in the home. Oh. Now, I know what that means. I'm on the road. They don't want to tell me that, that he's passed away. So I take the first flight back home. Uh, from Chicago, Illinois, to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And my brother comes to pick me up, James. He comes with his daughter, my niece, Ayana. I hug my brother, I don't say a word. I hug my niece, and I don't say a word. But I sit in the back seat with my niece, and I'm staring off in space, because in 2014, I'm 25 years old, I'm the youngest of 10 children, but I never imagined I would, see my, I would lose my father at such an early age. Yeah. He would never get to see me get married or have children. So I feel lost. In about 30 minutes of this, Ayana, my niece, she's nine years old. She looks over at me. She says, Uncle, why did Grandpa have to die? And I just stared at her. She said it again. Why did Grandpa have to die? That question rang in my ear as we Mm. got to my father's house. We're making funeral arrangements. But I, Jude Charles, on August 9th of 2014, when relaying my father to rest, I, the youngest of 10 children, am asked to give my father's eulogy. Mm. I'm not the oldest male in the family. Uh, I have brothers that are older than me. But I get asked to do it. I get tasked with this uh, opportunity. And it was in that moment that I realized my purpose wasn't just leadership. It was to lead through difficult moments. Mm. Or the way that I understand it today, to lead and empower entrepreneurs to have relentless courage. Mm. 
I share that story with you. It's a very deep story, but it's a story that I share over and over and over again. It is a story that I share in the beginning of my consulting sessions with my clients or um, when I'm doing a workshop because I'm not here to tell you how to do video. I'm not even here to tell you what your core values are. All I'm here to do is to lead you through this incredibly difficult process. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But I begin that by sharing a vulnerable story about myself. And when I opened up, when I do normally open up with that, it gets clients believing in the process that we're going to do in a very different way than just me simply saying, hey, I have done all this great work. I've been in business 16 years. I have worked with Google and Steve Harvey and all these amazing clients. Mm -hmm. But none of that matters if you don't know who I am. So we started this by talking about your core values. For me, relentless is a core value. Mm -hmm. Adventure is a core value, which is why I talk about the dumb idea I had about going from Spokane (laughs) to Florida or going from Washington State to Florida. Um, But again, I wanted to make it extremely practical and to bring home the third point, the third thought, which is to share your story over and over and over again. If you create it for TikTok, let's just say you create it for TikTok in January, share that same exact video, that same TikTok in April. Share it again in September. Just because you've used it once doesn't mean that everyone has saw it. You have attracted a newer audience. More people have come to your platform. Or some people, just like music, they just want to hear the story again, right? They want to be reminded of the experience and the feeling that they got. So share when when you've created your, you've worked on your core values and you created the stories and then you brought it to life with video or tangible objects or all the other ways that we talked about with dramatic demonstration, Share it over and over and over and over and over. I worked with a client in 2013. Her name is Keisha Dior. I'm sorry, 2010 to 2013, three years. And the final part of our documentary series was released in 2013. I went back to her Facebook page in 2017, and she was still sharing part three of the documentary series that was finished four and a half, five years before. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Still making money from the same asset. Yeah. This is why I call it this is why I call it an asset. Because yeah. we know what assets are with like real estate. They make yeah. us money over and over and over again. Yeah. This is the same thing that could happen. And this is how you scale your business through storytelling. Yeah. Is that you use it over and over and over and over and over. Like you're probably tired of me saying over, but it's it's literally you will get tired of it before anyone else does. Yes. Yeah. And so that is the way that you scale your business. A third thought on how you scale your business through storytelling. Yeah. So first off, I'm I'm so happy that you said that because I'm pro- I don't know if guilty's the the right word, but I do this on a regular basis. So I I probably I don't know, I post something on social media probably every other day. And it's a mix because I have my stuff personal and professional mixed together. I call it professionalization. I didn't create that word, but I have a friend of mine who did. So I love that mashup. But, you know, I think for every business thing, I don't want to, I don't want my good friends to be inundated with that stuff. So I might throw in a couple of personal things. But my point is, once I create something, especially with tools today, like we use Canva quite a bit. I didn't have a lot of capability back in the day, but now that thing is dangerous. It's very addictive because I'll get in there and play all day long. But like you, if I maybe had a book that, that had come out and I've... I don't know, created eight, nine different 
visual, something that would be cool. Maybe it's a pull quote from out of the book, or maybe I wanted to do something visual. Well, when I have my next book, I'm doing the same thing. I've got eight to 10 things. I might use a, a you know, a gym or brand ism and in, in some of the stuff we do, but I wind up going back to the well and using that all the time. I, I do know that there are some of our friends who say, you got to put out content all the time. And it needs to be fresh and new. And yes, I do believe in some of that, but I love the fact that you can repurpose it. And I think in, in, in how you're trying to explain it as well, if you're talking about making sure that you're solidified in your values, you've written it down, especially if you're doing it you know, with storytelling and you capture it in a video content, why wouldn't you? You're going to spend all that time and energy and effort and rigor and money on producing this thing. You don't want people to just see it for the first time. Which is why when something really resonates with you, like you said, Shawshank Redemption, it's probably if you ask people, I'm sure this comes up in your sessions, it's people's number one movie. When that thing is on, when you're flipping the channel, people sit there and watch it again. You don't watch it one time and go, check, did that, I'm done. Um, And and I'll just share this. You know, we've got this. I I don't know when we'll air this, but Avatar 2 is about to come out. I probably went to see Avatar, the first one more than any other movie. Not because it was a fantastic movie. I do think it's a great movie. But when I saw that in that 3D environment that James Cameron produced, in his own created 3D cameras, it's the greatest movie experience I've ever had in my life. I can't wait for Avatar 2. Less about the story, but more about the totality of the experience. I will repurpose that and go and see it again because I want that. I want to be able to resonate with that story. So... I mean, first off, I'm just saying thank you for saying that because now I don't feel like a poser for for being lazy and putting something out I created months ago. I'm like, yes, I need people to see it three, four times for it to have some stickiness, right? Yeah. I don't know. Do you feel the same way or is that? I do. I I, I think a couple of different things. One is um, I follow uh, the guy's head of of digital marketing for Vayner media for Gary Vaynerchuk on TikTok. Yeah. And, uh, you know, recently he's posted some things about this very thing about resharing content and how they test, uh, on different platforms. Do they do a reel on Instagram? Do they do a TikTok? Do they do a YouTube short? Do they, you know, and, and how sometimes they'll share the same content more than once the same day and it gets different traction. Um, mm-hmm and better traction on a different platform at a different time at a, whatever that was that, that happened. And he's like, you can't be afraid. You can always go in and delete that thing afterwards if you don't want it cluttering up your feed. But, but to your point, not everyone's going to see it the first time that you post it Mm -hmm. with so many people, no matter what social platform you're on posting all the time, the chances of them seeing your clip and you're this, when they might follow tens of thousands or millions of people um, that are, that are cluttering up their feed. um, There's a, better chance that they're not going to see it and you know uh, so i I come from a background of of being in the music business for 20 years right touring with my band and and traveling around and and one of the things that i talk about in my sessions uh when i'm working with organizations trying to make their core values hits like what you know if you want this to be a hit song for all of your people um there's two things that have to happen the 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 first is the songwriter's job and then the second is sort of the machine's job right so the the first part is you got to connect the head and the heart that's the songwriter's job connect the head and the heart when you do that that's what engages our limbic brain which is which is where of all emotional long-term memory is and that's what's going to get us to remember those song lyrics um you know the first time we hear them the the second part is the machine which is 
you got to play the song over and over and over and over. And if you've ever been on a long enough trip somewhere where you've heard the same song played more than once on the same radio station, um, that's because they know you have to hear it over and over and over again for it to become a favorite. Mm -hmm. And so if your goal is to become a favorite of your client, of your fan, of your whatever that is, um, don't be afraid of resharing that same piece of content because it it might take three or four times before it sinks in and they go, ah, I I get it now. I, I didn't get it that first time. I was pissed at you the third time, but the fifth time <laughs> I really, it really sunk in and I was able to grab that and you just can't be afraid. You know, I think we get, we feel like it's lazy. Jim said it, you know what I mean? If you're not creating new content then you're being lazy and it's not about that, it's about being smart. And I think it's, uh, yeah. that's what you're saying. Yeah. It's about being smart. It's about continuing to build that deeper connection um, Jim, you said something about Avatar where you went and looked at the behind the scenes, right? Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what created a, a sense of affinity, a sense of I have to watch this. Um, Brent, I didn't know that you had uh, have a history in music, but or have a, a, a you have played in music in a band. But again, it's the same thing. The only way that you were able to be successful or to have hits, even if it's not a whole album, but to have certain hits is because they played it over and over. And then when yep. you played it over and over, now you remember the song and you're singing the hook or you're singing. That's right. Like that is when you're looking to scale your business. Yeah. When you're looking to build a deep connection, you want people to not just feel like, oh, that's a cool company or that's a cool guy to follow. But it's somebody I feel like I have to follow. Somebody I feel like I have to be connected to. Yeah. Yeah. So that, this is gr- that holy this, grail is, is so totally. important. So it reminds me of. One of the stories I tell in the book is about the story of the term winging it and where winging it comes from. Um, and this is, you know, so we've had over 10,000 people take the black sheep values assessment and um, have been able to collect all the data on, on what values matter most to all of us. Um, but one of the things that we talk about is that it's just easier to wing it than it is to go through and figure out what these things are. But the term winging it comes from the turn of the century. Um, There was uh, actually so much work and so much money that people were looking for things to do. And so there there were playhouses that were being built all over the place so that people could spend this money that they had. Um, And there were more playhouses than there were actors. And so what would happen is the actors would have to quickly go off onto the wings of the theater with their lines and read their lines and memorize them and walk on the stage and deliver them. And that's where winging it came from. Mm. They were literally learning their lines, but just before they stepped on the stage. Well, pretty much how you prepare for our podcast. Well, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, the, the idea is that's how most of us live our lives, mm-hmm. right? We're, we are literally just, moving off into the wings, figuring out our shit for the moment and walking on and making it happen, right? We don't take the time to learn our lines. And to your point of what you just said, if you took the time to learn the lines, you learn the lines. You can say those lines with conviction. You can focus on delivery and not content. And all of a sudden that connects at a different level. And I think that that's the hard part is that we all just want to wing it, even though we might think we suck at winging it. We actually (laughs) are pretty good at it. And so... This idea of dramatic demonstration to me, you have to know your shit to be dramatic. 
right? Yep. Otherwise, otherwise, it's you're being willy nilly, and it, you're, you can go off on all these tangents, and it's not going to connect in the same way. So if you can learn the lines to the point where your content is yours and you own it, then you really can focus on that delivery and and bringing the drama in where it needs to be to connect at that different level. Yeah, yeah. Kobe Bryant, um, one of the best basketball players. Uh, up there with Michael Jordan and and uh, LeBron James and all the others. There's a famous story about him playing with the Olympic team, and he calls his trainer, uh, strength and conditioning trainer, to come and meet him in the gym at 5 a.m. in the morning. Mm-hmm. And by the time the strength and conditioner uh, coach got there, Kobe was already sweating. He had been working out. Mm-hmm. They do a couple workouts. Strength and conditioning coach has, says, hey, I got to get back to get some more rest because there's actual practice at 11. Kobe was just yeah. in the gym by himself. Well, this coach comes back at 11. Kobe is still standing there. He goes to Kobe and he says, hey, what time did you leave? the gym? What time did you leave? And Co- or finish up, I think is the, ex- the exact word. What time did you finish up? And Kobe was like, finish up what? And he was like, well, you know, we were training, but then, you know, I went back. What time did you finish? And he was like, oh, I just finished. I wanted to get in 800 shots. Mm-hmm. I just finished my 800 shot. Mind you, this is right before he goes into 11 a.m. practice. He had been probably training since 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. The point is that he was not only rehearsing his lines, which is for him, it is getting the shot right. Mm-hmm but he was doing it in practice so mm-hmm. that when he shows up to the game, it's much easier. It's 800 memory. shots, it's muscle memory. 800 shots is not easy, yeah. right? You gonna tell him? You have to put in, you have to put in your reps. You have so, to put in your reps in order to get, to get better. No yeah, doubt. go ahead. So that trainer is our friend, Alan Stein. Wow. (laughs) I did not know that. So this is like, this is so crazy. crazy? The alignment, the alignment that we have is so wild because I did not know that at all. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, that is. That's our buddy, Alan, who's a a speaker friend of ours, who um, uh, tells that story and some others of, of, you know, trying to beat Kobe to the gym at 4 a.m. and it doesn't happen. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He's already there. He's already there. He's already there. He's already there. And it's. But it's a testament to why he became one of the greatest players that ever played the game. Truth. Yeah. Truth. He put in I, his I, reps. I think as we wrap up, I mean, I, honestly, um, and I know we started with this, you're, the, what you do is so interesting, and it's rare. I mean, a lot of people don't get to make any movies, any documentaries. The fact that because of your mission, you talked about you know, leading and empowering entrepreneurs uh, to have relentless courage, you know, unwavering courage. That's that's the, the area that you've decided to focus on. And, yeah, I think we talked about Steve Harvey and Google in the intro. You said it as well. But, you know, several different visionary CEOs you've worked with. It, yeah. it just reminded me, we have a very good friend of ours. Um, actually, her book is back here somewhere called Founderology, a friend of ours, Kathleen Wood, who wrote a book about how to deal with founders. Now, she's in the restaurant industry, and what she found is people were always so frustrated having to deal with a founder, somebody who started thing and they're still in the business, how a pain in the butt, because you know they're, they're, they are visionaries. They, they think out there, they're two, three steps ahead of you. People constantly get frustrated because they're trying to change the founder and the way that they think. And so 
her whole book is you you don't need to do that you need to just you know jump on for the ride learn from them you're not going to change a founder's mind if anything you'll be able to glean some knowledge from that and i'm just i'm connecting the dots here i wonder what it would be like if if she could have taken some of these founders and connected them with you to help create a documentary of what they do and how they want to blow up the business and scale it since that's what we're talking about i wonder yeah. if there was a video capture a documentary of some of these crazy out there founders, what it would be like in their business, whether they're, whether it's cathartic and they're just doing it to capture their mind down in a video format, or it's for all of these employees that just, ah, they get so frustrated. I think if you could climb inside the mind and understand them a little bit more through this visual, you know, snapshot that you're creating, how much easier it would be for people. I just, I think your work is, is, is brilliant. And uh, I just wonder how do you get more more visionary CEOs to take advantage of your work and say, that's what I want to do for whatever reason, whatever the outcome is. Still following your three steps here, but geez, wouldn't it be cool if we had more of these people taking advantage of your work? I just think that would be fantastic. That would be amazing. I mean, uh, you talk about um, your friend Kathleen. I, there's a show, a documentary series show actually on Netflix called uh, Chef's Table. Oh, yeah. That oh, does yeah. That that follows these visionary entrepreneurs that created restaurants. They were chefs. They loved food, but created restaurants and getting mm-hmm. deep into their mind. But the one thing that's led me over the last 16 years is I've always thought of, wouldn't it have been cool to have a camera follow Jeff Bezos around when he started Amazon? Yeah. Right. Right. Or, yeah. or even Elon Musk when he was building out SpaceX and yeah. knew nothing about the industry, but was willing to just gamble on it. Right. And really go all in. Um, there is the reason I love working with visionary CEOs specifically, there is a power in people that can see life differently. Yeah. And so when I talk about leading and empowering entrepreneurs to have relentless courage, one, the the first relentless courage is to just share your story, to be authentic and vulnerable about that story. But the other is to empower others, to empower other entrepreneurs who may be just a little afraid to to think out, not even think outside the box, but to share the way they think with others yeah, and to be inspired. I know that's what's inspired me over the years. So yeah, I, would, I mean, yeah. again, it's why I do the work I've been doing for, I've stuck with it for 16 years. Um, it's what I love to do. It's a part of my mission. Video just happens to be a deliverable. Yeah. But yeah, I would love to be able to continue to work with visionary CEOs and help them bring their stories to life in this way. You know, they're doing that right now with, um, uh, with Coach Prime, you know, prime time. You look at Deion Sanders has now yeah. all the success he's had with Jackson State and yep. going to Colorado. Like nobody nobody can believe that this is happening. But he has a film crew creating all this to yep. watch this journey. I mean it's yep. it's gonna make it very interesting one way or another, you know, this this next year for sure. Um, where can we send people, Jude? Where where uh, could people get some more eyeballs on the work that you do or just to stay in touch if maybe they had some questions, some follow-up stuff? Yeah, so I write a newsletter called the Dramatic Leverage Newsletter, which teaches the business side of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go to judecharles.co forward slash newsletter. I'm sure okay. Jim and Brand will put it in the show notes. Yep. But that's the best way to stay connected because it's not just me writing about the behind the scenes of my own business or the behind the scenes of my client's business, we're having a conversation because I, I ask certain questions and I go deep and I really want to help entrepreneurs understand how to do this for themselves. It's not just about working with Jude or hiring Jude for video. This is truly how do you create the leverage that you're looking for in your business 
Yeah. Um, even if you're not ready to do a video, but there's other ways like podcasting or social media that you could leverage this over and over and over again. The Dramatic Leverage newsletter, JudeCharles.co. That's also where you can see the entrepreneurs that I've worked with be inspired by their stories. Nice. Um, I have a few of the projects on the site there. And um, stay connected in that way. The book you can find on there. And then the last thing I'll say is that you can find the Story Bank Journal. So I talked about the Story Bank in the beginning of this. How do you um, begin to create these stories, find these stories? I created a journal that has 30 prompts. It's both Mm. a digital and physical journal that allows you that asks you questions in case you don't even know where to start yeah there are these 30 prompts that that uh you could start with or you can go in the vault and just start writing these stories down stories happen to us every single day yeah mm-hmm. every single day even this on a moment in time bus. <laughs> even on a greyhound bus this moment in time with us is is a story in itself right and so yeah. what i like to do is i i try to spend at least five minutes a day thinking about what happened today. Is there a story that I could share in the future with someone else? I don't always use a story, but I at least put it down in my story bank journal. Um, again, all of this you can find at jewcharles.co. My mission is to help you, to lead and empower you to have relentless courage. That courage starts with sharing your stories. Love it. Love that. Love it. Well, as you said, we will have all of this information in the show notes. We highly encourage people to go and check it out and, and check out your website for sure. And I mean, we just, we can't thank you enough. I mean, for just spending a little bit of time here, this actually, uh, was, was probably a little bit longer than most of our others because you good, great, great content. It's too yeah. good. Yes. I feel like thank you, you <laughs> should be playing Hey Jude on the way out. Yeah. Does that seem lame? <laughs> yeah. I know he's never Not heard that analogy low hanging, before. It's low hanging fruit. It just brother. seems too that easy. Is low right? hanging fruit. Just hum a few bars for us. <laughs> I said, I said Hey Jude when I met him today. I, yeah, I, I think know. that's enough, right? He's, he's had it. Every single what's email he ever gets. Yes. I'm sure that's, that's what right. it is. What's funny is that every day, at least once a day, someone sings the song so of i wouldn't have been surprised if you sung the song on the way out that's right so. well we're just not gonna do it just that's right no. that's how we roll no <laughs> that's it <laughs> goodbye dude <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much brother right. awesome. no it's been amazing um it's been an amazing conversation and again uh brand i'm so i'm so glad we're aligned in the way that we're oh, aligned man. it's it's just serendipity you guys are right on now. the road we have work in our future brother <laughs> yeah you we do have work in our definitely future. definitely thank we'll you guys for you having soon. me on rock on awesome Hey, Rockstars, thanks so much for tuning in. Yeah, and listen, we know how busy you are, and grabbing those little nuggets of wisdom that can amp up your life are super hard to come by. So we hope this episode helped you enough for you to maybe subscribe and consider leaving us a rating and a review so that we can continue to grow the show. Thus That Rock is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network and also supports Cannonball Kids Cancer and their fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who have run out of options. They're amazing. Their work is incredible. To learn more, please go to cannonballkidscancer.org. Finally, if you're interested in having Brant or Jim or both of us speak at your event, whether as a virtual webinar or an in-person conference keynote or mastermind, contact us directly at thoughtsatrock.com. Until next time, rock rock on. on!